wait? <laughs> How many like waiting? Isn't that the worst thing absolutely in the world that there is, waiting at the license office? There's like 1,042 chairs in there. Everybody's ahead of you. I've done this. And you look up at the little ticket counter, and it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's at 4, and you pick your ticket, and it's like 297. And you're like, oh, no, this isn't good. And then you watch them back behind the counter there. You know, they're working. And they've got, I don't know, the, the energy and the urgency of a sloth and hibernation. And now, sloths don't hibernate. But they can actually, if you want to know a, a, a dumb fact, they can actually lower their heart rate about as low as those animals that hibernate. So, anyway, uh, sometimes I think those people behind the desk there have lowered their heart rate. And they just, I'm telling you, they just have no urgency whatsoever. And it's kind of irritating, right? And you're sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then there's somebody like, probably like me actually, and they don't have their stuff, right? They don't have what they need. And then they ask 20,000 questions, right? And it's like, uh, you're just sitting there. Yeah, I, I just can't handle it. I can't handle it. And every, every little question, of course, gets answered with the urgency of the sloth. And, and at times, you, what do you do? Sometimes you just get up and leave. You're like, I'll come back, right? I'll come back another time. I will do this at another day. And you do. You make that mistake, and it's like, oh, it's the same as the other day. It's still bad. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't, I don't know what it is about you, what it is with you, but I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I don't like it. I'm impatient at times, right? And I cannot handle it. I need to. But I don't do well at it, okay? And in our passage tonight in Exodus chapter 2, God is going to teach a lesson here on waiting, on timing, on the word that we'll define correctly, providence, okay? And the title tonight of the message is, Today's Prayers Were Yesterday's Provisions. Does that make sense? You're like, no, that doesn't make sense at all. It sure makes sense, right? Today's prayers were yesterday's Provisions, And we're going to look at that here tonight. And in our text here, we are well familiar with this passage of Exodus. We're actually going through uh, part of ex- some of Exodus here in our Sunday school class on freedom from bondage and uh, how that looks. But tonight, I just want to look real briefly again. Uh, I'll try to be quick. I know we know this. Uh, I, I just want a lot of it is just for background for when we get to the application. But we notice here in chapter 2, there is the plight of the people. And in chapter 1, of course, it opens up with the present problem for Israel, who is now in Egypt. They've been there, what, 400 and, and at this time, almost 430 years, I guess it would be. They've been here. The Pharaoh who is over Joseph has now died. He is off the scene. There's a new uh, Pharaoh in, uh, in town, I guess you could say. It's been a long time since that last Pharaoh under Joseph the new Pharaoh doesn't know Joseph, doesn't care about Joseph. We've looked at this in Sunday school. Uh, doesn't care about God, doesn't know the Lord, isn't real concerned with anything about him at all. And so what they're beginning to realize, and they're smart people, these Egyptians, they were smart. They realize these Israelites are getting really big. They're growing, right? They're, they're multiplying. When uh, Moses uh, led the children of Israel out of Egypt, uh, it's very possible there could have been easily close to a million, million and a half. I see all sorts of numbers out there. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of people there, Israelites, that started, watch, when they came. If I remember right, I forgot how many of this was. Uh, maybe somebody could help me on this. When Jacob came down uh, with his sons, I believe he said there was something like 70 
some souls that came into Egypt. And then, of course, Joseph would made something like 71. It wasn't over 70. I forgot the exact number. And I may have it. I don't know. I don't remember. But here's the point. 70. Okay, 75, whatever. Right. Million and a half. They've grown. Right. And so the Egyptians have looked out over this area of Goshen and be like, there's a lot of these people up here. Right. So what do they do? Well, they don't want them to rise up and fight against them because they realize we'll lose. This should tell you something about the size of Israel compared to the size of Egypt. Egypt was actually concerned that Israel would be a problem in a battle situation. So what they decided to do instead, and maybe it happened slowly. Obviously, they don't walk up to Goshen and say, hey, tell you what, fellas, we're going to be in slavery now. You are our slave. I, I Now, maybe they did that. It doesn't say. But I would think that if you're worried about them fighting against you, it would seem strange that you would just show up and say, tell you what, you're now our slaves. Maybe it happened slowly. Maybe they figured out, like, I don't know, it's happening in our own country, of how to make people dependent upon the government and get them uh, to where they uh, need the government in such a way that they can just truck right in and roll right in and take over everybody. And uh, listen, we, we still have modern day slavery in America. Right? It's our welfare system. Oh, oh boy. Anyway, let me go on. And uh, so they figured out a way, right? They figured out a way to put these Egyptians or the, the Israelites in slavery. And this is where we come in Exodus chapter 1. It is the plight of the people. They're in a bad situation. And in, in addition to the slavery, in addition to the bondage, now the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh has come up with the idea that, you know what, we need to get rid of the, the men, the boys. And so you know what happens. He made the edict, went out, all of the Hebrew boys, right, that are born. He told the midwives, if the Israelite women give birth to a boy, kill it and kill it, right? Get rid of it. And of course, praise the Lord, they weren't doing that. They, they rejected that uh, uh, that demand of Pharaoh, and he brought them in again. They said, ah, we can't help it. They're quick. These, these Jewish women, man, they, they really have a baby, and we get there, and it's too late. Can't do it, right? And uh, I like that. I like that. And uh, so we, we know what happens from here, right? Moses is born. So here's the, the setting of, of Israel. They're in a really bad situation, and Moses is born. Chapter 1 of verse 2, or verse 1 of chapter 2, let me say that again. They come and we get the house of Levi and we, we get uh, uh, the, a mother and a father here uh, in the house of Levi. It's Moses' parents. They have a, they have a child. Uh, Moses' mother has him, has Moses, right? He's born during the time now, we know this, when Pharaoh had put this edict out. So you know what she did, right? She wasn't going to obey the king. So she made a basket, put him in it pitched it, right, slimed it up, however they did it, so it would be waterproof and send him off into the basket. And there he is, floating down the Nile. Not the Delaware, down the Nile. And uh, floating along there. And we know what, this is great, this is a wonderful reminder that uh, the the, the plans of God, we're going to look at this in a minute, but here's, here's Moses just floating down in life. Here's Pharaoh's daughter just happens to show up at the river. Here's Miriam just watching to see what happens. And uh, we know what happens, right? The, right? The, the most, uh, Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket, opens it up. Here's the little crying baby. She goes, oh, it's a little Hebrew baby and I want it. And so she takes it home and she gets to keep it and finds Miriam. And you know what happens there. He tells Miriam, hey, can you find somebody to nurse this? Do you know anybody? 
Yeah, I might. I might. Her mother who had him. And so she brings Moses to his mother, which is her mother, right? And she nurses him. And we know all of this that goes on, right? Right? And so here we have in chapter 2, the beginning, we have Moses' parents, we have Moses' sister, we have Moses, and then we have the daughter of Pharaoh, who is going to become Moses' adopted mother. So here's the plight of Israel. They've gone from being free to being enslaved and now Pharaoh is attempting to wipe out a generation of Israelite males. It's pretty bad. It's a pretty bad spot. But as you go on here in chapter 2, we see not just the plight of the people. We see the plan of God that's going to unfold here. In Isaiah fourteen twenty seven, the Bible says, For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand hath, is, I'm sorry, and his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Isaiah 23 and verse 9 says, The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all of the honorable of the earth. And you'll notice in both of those verses, you see the word purpose. That word purpose there also means plan. And we see how God had, has, has plans, right, with his creation. He has uh, plans. He has purposes. Some people may use the word providence. Now, some people might use that word providence a little differently. But let me give you a definition of the word providence. Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, The act of providing or preparing for future use or application. It goes on to say in theology, the care and superintendent which God exercises over his creatures. Now, obviously, there's some that take that way beyond its intended meaning to a place of uh, what they call sovereignty and God just pulling the strings of all humanity and, and nobody has a choice. We're just a bunch of automatrons that do what we're told. And uh, that is not that is that is beyond the scope of where the Bible uh, uh, reveals the providence and the planning of God. Now, thinking about this, the plan of God, we have Bible evidence all over. We know this of the, the planning, the divine providence of God. I'm going to give you a few examples here tonight. Uh, number one, God does provide for our physical life. We know this. Over in, in Genesis 50 and verse 20, remember that Joseph here, we're talking about his family tonight here in Egypt. Right. Joseph told his brothers, remember this, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. What happened? God had a plan to protect the, the children of Israel. God had a plan. Joseph recognized it. He lived. He didn't have a. I'm telling you, it wasn't a life that he thought he wanted to live, that he planned to live, but he recognized and understood the life I'm living is the plan of God, and God has used me to save many people. That's wonderful, and we see the divine providence of God for our physical life. We see the divine providence of God in our spiritual life. Second Peter one and verse three, the Bible says this: According as His divine power hath given unto us. All things, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us into glory and virtue. What is he saying here? God has given us everything necessary, right? He's given us everything necessary to live like Christ Jesus. We have been given everything that pertains unto life 
and godliness. So God provides for our physical life. God provides for our spiritual life. God has provided for our salvation. Hebrews 4 and verse 3, For we, uh, we which have believed do enter into rest, as he has said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest. Listen to this now. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Right? What were the works that were finished from the foundation of the world? Jesus Christ was crucified from the foundation of the world. It was determined by God that he would take care of the problem. It was pro, God has provided, he provided for our salvation before he ever created. Roman, uh, Revelation 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation, there it is, of the world. So God provides. We're looking at the providence of God. And all we have and all that we do and all that we are able to do is because of the provisions of God that have been secured and planned before anything was created. No, that, that's, a rest, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good thought tonight. That's a good truth to hold on to tonight. We would call this the divine providence of God. Now in Exodus chapter 2, we have evidence also of God's providence. We have evidence also of God's planning, of God's providing. Now number one, we see here that Moses was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter. Think of the likelihood of all of this coming to pass at the right time. Moses was born, at, unfortunately, <laughs> at the time when this decree had gone out. But all of the things that had to come into place with the timing of him being put in the river, the, 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 the security of the basket that it didn't just sink, right? But the timing of him at the river, the timing of Pharaoh's daughter showing up to take a bath in the river, right? The timing of Miriam being there with the basket, watching it. The very words and, and the thoughts of this Pharaoh's daughter to realize, well, somebody needs to nurse it. And Miriam being there, I mean, when you think about all that had to come into being and all that had to come into place for this to, to end where it did, you just cannot look for, uh, you cannot look at this and not see the superintending hand of God over this. This is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Look at verse six. And when she had opened it, she saw the child and behold, the babe wept and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, and she, that, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Now what parent would have liked the opportunity for somebody to pay you to raise your own children? That'd be great, right? They said, there used to be a, a number out there that said, on average, it takes a million dollars to raise a child from birth to, to like 20 years of age. I don't know where they're being raised. I don't think we spent that on them, right? And uh, we're like, uh, buy your own car, <laughs> right? Get your own insurance. Do your own stuff, right? And uh, there's, yeah, anyway. But uh, that'd have been awesome, right? Somebody showed up at your door and said, hey, I found your kid wandering on the road. Right? 
Tell you what, do you mind if I just pay to take care of it and you can you can keep them, but I'll just pay to take care of it. I, I, I okay, sure, sure you don't want to keep it? No, no. That happens at about nineteen, right? You sure you don't want them back? No. No, that, watch. This is the evidence of the uh, of the 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 provisions of God. Yeah. Not only is Moses going to live. That's one miracle. Remember the edict? Wait, he's going to live now. Actually, watch this. He's going to live in the house of the guy that made the edict to have them all wiped out. (laughs) Right? I don't know. I just, I get excited. I like this stuff. I don't know if if it catches you as much as it does me, but I like it. Right? Listen, friend, only God can do something like this. Only God would do what would work this out and make this plan together. And not only was Pharaoh's daughter a part of God's plan, but notice this also, number two, Moses was raised and educated in the house of Pharaoh. Pharaoh uh, I took care of his everything that obviously somehow it was taking care of everything. All of the needs of Moses were taken care of by the household of Pharaoh. Look at verse 10. And the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moses for she said, because I drew him out of the water. So now Moses is the adopted grandson of the Pharaoh of Egypt who made the edict that he should have been killed. Now he's living in his house, eating his food, using up his electricity, keeping all his lights on, running the fuel out of the camel when he takes it. I mean, come on, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's awesome. He got access to the best education, I'm sure. Access to some of the inner workings of the government. Gave him access to the wealth of Egypt. Friend, only God can do this. Although Moses is going to walk away one day from everything in Egypt, it was the providence of God that it was necessary, that made it necessary. It was a providence of God that was working in the life of Moses, watch, to eventually work in the life of Israel. Can I tell you this, number three? Our bad decisions can't hamper God's ultimate plans. You say, well, I think some things can get messed up. Well, sure they can get messed up. But do you really think you and I are big enough to mess up the ultimate plans of God? You'd have to think yourself pretty big, friend. Look at verse 11. Let's, uh, well, I don't, yeah, let's start in verse 12. And he looked this way, uh, yeah, okay, verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burden, so he knew they were his brethren. And he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and we saw that there was no man. He slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou this fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. He didn't think anybody was looking. But there was somebody watching that saw it. And word was going to get back to Pharaoh. 
there in verse 15, which made it necessary. Moses realized, I got to get out of here. I'm going to die. So what's he do? He packs up his stuff, 15 through verses 15 through 22. He gets out of Egypt. He stops in Midian. Yeah. He gets married, has a couple sons. He's working with his father-in-law tending sheep, and he's going to be here in Midian 40 years. Watch, this wasn't Moses' plan. He wanted to deliver his own people, we've been looking at that in, in Sunday school, from their slavery, but God used it for his own plan. No, this wasn't in Moses' plan, and yes, this was a bad decision, and it looks like this is a bad place for Moses to be. I mean, here he is wanting to rescue his people, but here he is stuck in the desert for 40 years. Some of you know and have heard the three divisions, what some have called the three divisions of Moses' life. He's lived to be 120 years old, three, three, three uh, segments of 40 years. And some have said it this way, the first 40 years of Abraham or Moses' life, uh, he was a somebody. The second 40 years of his life, he was a nobody. The third 40 years of his life, he became useful to everybody. And sometimes God does that in our life, doesn't he? Think, it takes us from a somebody to a nobody so he can use us to be useful to everybody. In all of the events of chapter 2, hold on, God was at work for his own plan. God was at work. The plight of the people, the plan of God, he was at work. But thirdly, notice here, look at the plea of the people, verses 23 through 25. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage and they cried and the cry came up to God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groanings and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob and God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. So here it is, Moses' adopted grandfather, he has died. The children of Israel were just worn out from living in this slavery. It is this, this life they've been living of bondage and what the Bible calls rigor, just a hard life, a rigorous life. And now at this place, they've had enough of it. They can't handle it anymore. They begin to cry out unto God for deliverance. And notice this from verse 24, God heard their groaning, right? You're like, well, did God not hear anything before this? I mean, there have been some problems, right? Moses, 40 years earlier, was trying to take care of the problem. God didn't hear them. No. When it says here, God heard their groaning. What it's saying is here that what, 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 what he heard is moving him to action. Watch, it's time now. It's time. Notice this for, for, for next one here. It says here, but God remembered his covenant with Abraham. Wait, God forgot it? I thought God couldn't forget. Isn't he all-knowing? How does God forget? Right. The word remembered here doesn't mean that God forgot. The word remembered here means that God is turning his active attention to Israel now. Right. He's about to do something. He's about to get up. And get involved in this. Look what it goes on to say. And God looked upon the children of Israel. It means that God's full attention is now on Israel. What's going on? The time is right. 
This is the time. And then notice this. Finally, God had respect unto them. He had respect unto them. That word respect, their meaning that he looked on Israel, watch, as his own. Do you see what's going on here? God heard. You have, you have, you know, what, what do you have put in gear now, right? He's moving into action. He's put into gear. God heard. What, what was put into gear? Here we have the ears of God. God heard. God remembered the mind of God. God looked the eyes of God. God has respect the heart of God. Do you see this? Watch this. The cry of Israel, watch this. The cry of Israel came into the ears of God and to the mind of God and to the heart of God and, and, and to the eyes of God. He was, he, was, he, was, he was getting up and he is now ready to do something about this problem. And it's a great reminder tonight. Listen to me. God cares about his children. You may be going through some time tonight. It feels like you've been crying out to God for a long time and there's been just absolutely nothing done about it. Listen to me. It's in his time. It's his time. And when it's in God's time, listen, it's perfect. It's right, right. The ears of God, the mind of God, the eyes of God, the heart of God. He's employed now. He's ready to go. And here it is. He's ready to do something about it. Now, I want you to notice something here in our text. I want you to notice here, lastly, the provision that was prepared. They're crying out. God said, it's time. Have you realized that at the very moment that Israel begins to cry out to God for help, the wheels of God's plan have already been turning before they ever cried out? What do you mean? They started turning at least 80 years earlier, just obviously there from the beginning of time. But on a human way, on, on a human level, the plan of God started 80 years earlier at the birth of Moses. The moment they cried, the plan had already been cooking. It had already been ready. It had already been going. God had already got it going. But the cry of the people, it's going to go on for a while. Why? Because it's not time yet. These 80 years, it hadn't been time yet. The 430 years hadn't been time yet. Why? What was God doing? Well, he was allowing Israel to get big enough to conquer a land that he was going to give them. Could you imagine if just a few of them tried to go back up there? They would have never conquered, fully conquered Canaan. They still didn't fully conquer Canaan, but they could have. But uh, could you imagine just a handful of them went back? It would have never happened. They would have never had all that land. God allowed them to grow. And in the midst of this, when it came towards the end of the, God ready to move them out, right? 80 years earlier, Moses is born. God intervenes in that. Puts them aside for 40 years. Brings them back. And now it's time. Moses needed to spend 40 years in the desert. Right? Just as a shepherd. Shepherding sheep. Because he's going to spend the next 40 years shepherding God's sheep. You see this tonight? It was the plight of the people. The plan of God. The plea of the people. The provision was already prepared. This is the providence of God. Can I tell you something tonight and we'll be done? 
church, we're moving forward. We're moving forward. I just want to remind you tonight, we're moving forward. We're going forward. God knew these days were coming for us. God, God knew before the time began, right, that we, are, we would be here this night and at this time, at this time of, 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 of world history. In these days, God knew all of it. He knew all of it. And he, know, and he knows what's coming ahead for us. He's confirmed our steps of faith over the last several months. I think I have no, no doubt, no equivocation that God has confirmed over and over what he's leading us to do. And let me tell you this tonight. Whatever lies ahead of us, do you realize God has already planned for its execution? Do you know God has already prepared for tomorrow? Whether it's in your personal life, I, I, I'm going to shift gears here. Whether it's in your personal life, and you're where you know God wants you to be, but you're a little struggling with tomorrow. You don't know why you are where you are right now. You don't know why you're just sitting here idle right now. You, you've asked God for some things, and you're just sitting here. Can I tell you, the plans are already in place. Just wait on them. Wait on them. But for us as a church, God has already planned for what's coming up in the next month and the next two months and the next 10 years. If it's not on God's time plan to come back in 50 years or 100 years, He'll have already provided for all of that as well. You know what we need to do? We just need to move forward by faith. Just trust Him. We just, watch, just do the next thing. We just do the next thing. This was just shown to me not too long ago, and I love it. I haven't, it's, it's uh, not left me. I've, you, you know these things you read over time and time and time again, and then uh, somebody points something out to you, and you go, oh, wow, I never caught that. It's great. John 6, 5 through 6. Jesus was in front of the, the multitude, the 5,000 that he was about to feed. And if you remember, uh, he had uh, asked Philip in verse 5, When Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him, and he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? He's asking Philip, What are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? Right. Kind of like Jesus was wondering, like, what are we going to do? Right. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 6, And this he said to prove him, listen close, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already had a plan. God already has a plan. He already knows what he's going to do. Right? God has a plan. God has already made provision for that plan. Let me just encourage us tonight as a church. Right? Don't lose sight, watch, don't lose sight of Him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, right? Don't lose sight of Him. We'll keep walking by faith. We'll keep trusting Him. What comes tomorrow, we'll go to Him with it. What comes the next day, we'll go to Him with it. And we're just going to rely on Him. Yep. Friend, that, that's... It's called the faith life. It's called a life that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We just go on by faith. Can I tell you tonight, God has already provided 
already provided for what we're going to need. For our church, listen, and in your life personally. I have no idea what the majority of some of you are going through tonight. But I'll just tell you, whatever you're needing, He's already provided for it. You just need to step by faith and continue on doing the next thing. Just do what He's told you to do. He's already got it taken care of. Our Father, we're so thankful for your provisions. We're so thankful that you have a plan. We can sing the song earlier, My Father planned it all. What a joy that is. Lord, whatever lies ahead of us, whatever is on for tomorrow, whatever is coming in the next few years, whether it's for our church as a body or whether it's for individuals, uh, members in this body and uh, believers that are here in this body that are in a time that they don't know what tomorrow holds. Lord, would you just encourage us tonight, reminding us tonight that you already have it planned out. If we just trust you, if we just follow you, if we would just uh, do the next thing and take the next step of faith as what you've told us to do, Lord, we'll find ourselves right in the middle of your plan and we'll watch you do a wonderful thing. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight, would you? The invitation is open. I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you tonight. Maybe there's things that you're looking to the Lord for and wanting as the instrument plays. Uh, would you just uh, spend a little time with the Lord? Maybe you just need to spend some time with Him, thanking Him that, you, that tonight you can leave here with all assurance that whatever is going on in your life, God has a plan for that. If you trust Him, if you follow Him, He's got a way to deal with that. Church, we need to be on the same page. We need to be in unity, trusting God that He's got a plan, that He's got it all planned out. And we'll get to very soon watch what, he, uh, what He's going to do and how He's going to do it. I know, we hate waiting, don't we? We hate waiting. If we just wait on Him, God can accomplish a million times more than we could ever think of doing. day today. Praise the Lord. We're looking forward to Wednesday night, 7, uh, seven o'clock. Is that when we do Wednesdays? Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you Wednesday. I'll remember Wednesday maybe, hopefully. So have a great week and uh, hopefully the weather stays nice. I haven't even looked. So. Snow probably tomorrow after this. So.
No, I don't think so. Tornadoes in snow. We got to get the order right. That's right. So, and. Uh,